calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a early morning live episode of the Geek Buddies here on the Outlaw Nation. We appreciate it, Matt, that you all joining us here. We're going to get into so many things to talk about it, but we've got to do our standard introduction, don't we? Don't we? For God's sakes. <laughs> we I, mean, yeah, so, do we? I mean, do we? I do mean, we? I mean, we need to, I believe. So welcome, everybody, to this brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey. Hey. Uh-huh. I'm a second cup of coffee here. We're good to go. But I don't know. I don't know why I'm pretending I'm tired. I've already woken up, walked the dog, been to the gym. Like, I don't know. I, I just like pretending I'm tired. I'm I'm not pretending. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so we got so much to talk about today. We're going to jump into some James Gunn stuff and talk about his DC plans or his future DC plans. He's hinting at things. You know, he's, he's kind of going the Snyder route, kind of dropping little hints on his social media to get people excited. And then, of course, referencing Kingdom Come. 
it doesn't come much darker than Kingdom Come. So a lot of stuff that we're going to be diving into as well. We're going to jump into a bunch of trailers here with Shannon McClung leading the way, talking about the Super Mario Brothers trailer, 1923, and something about a cocaine bear uh, going on as well. Uh, and we're also going to jump into some Wednesday numbers. And we're going to take a break and then jump into our big main topic, which is our review of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And for those of you who are new, that's how we work. Each of us takes a Geek News item, then we take a break and jump into our main topic there. And as I mentioned, that's that holiday special. So strap in for a fun conversation. And of course, remember, Streamlabs and Super Chats are open. Support the Geek Buddies and everything we got going on here. Uh, I've already seen a couple of Super Chats rolling through from uh, from uh, Black. Is it uh, the Lord of Darkness there leaving us some stuff? So Lord of Darkness, thanks for joining us this early, Lord of Darkness. And we'll absolutely answer some of these uh, as well but let's introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies hey shannon what kind of animated tv shows am i working on <laughs> and yes this is shannon mcclung as vogel just said and i'm a television actor and an animation writer where we're currently working on strawberry shortcake uh, Barry in the Big City, you can see season two on Netflix right now. And if you're one of the folks that don't have Netflix, maybe you got rid of Netflix. It's possible. It, it does come out week to week on YouTube. Oh, there you go. That's a good place to come and take a look at it as well. You know, we've seen the horror Winnie the Pooh. We've now seen a horror Grinch trailer that came out in the last few days. Is there a horror Strawberry Shortcake trailer coming at some point down the road? Live action. I mean, listen, I if there is, I hope they let me write it. Um, but I will say in season three, we actually were talking about this the other day, we did a inordinate amount of the girls get really scared, let's make this look like a horror movie shorts. So oh. even though it's not actually a horror movie, we have them uh, we have them in some pretty uh, spooky situations in Big Apple City. So uh, stay tuned for that. And there were certain situations that we chatted about in the room that did not come to fruition. So hey. Season four, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, listen, we really, we really tried to make Cocaine Berry happen, and it just like oh it God. didn't fly. So that's where Cocaine <laughs> Bear came in instead. <laughs> uh, uh, strawberry. Uh, yeah, I could see that absolutely. Happening. Oh that's no! Sure. Uh, no, don't get me in trouble. I'm not affiliated with this in any way. Uh, real quick, we've got a stream lab that came through from Travis Earl saying, "One of the Geek Buddies hopping over to Hive, gentlemen. I haven't even explored Hive. Have you guys like?" At least open the app, maybe uh, looked around. What'd you guys do? I'm just, uh, I'm biding my time. Yeah. I am waiting to see where things go. Uh, I, I, not that I'm not planning on jumping, but I just don't know if the first jump is the best jump. It takes me a long time to do everything. I'm still trying to figure out what my next car is going to be. It took me a long time to, to get a lot of things. So I'm waiting to see, but... Uh, is Hive the way to go? What do you guys all think? Let me know. We're live right now. You can just tell yeah. us immediately. Let us know. I mean, Mike's still living in the same place for the last two decades. So, yes, he's it's very true. slow. On it is true. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of folks went to or tried Mastodon. Mastodon, yeah. And that apparently, just to kind of set everything up, it's uh, seems to be super uh, confusing and complicated. And then uh, once that talk kind of died down that's when hive started to come out i mean hive as as the name of a of a social media app it sounds good yeah. <laughs> um but in terms of uh yeah i don't know if i want to go make a bunch of uh accounts for stuff that might not be here in six months i, I feel like i'm really 
Oh, I'm hoping Friendster comes back. Oh, for God's sake. Remember Friendster? I do remember Friendster. I think it's still, MySpace is still around, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> I, I think we're all in the tunnel, like in Andor, and we're just like this right now. We're hearing about shit that's going down in the other tunnels on Twitter, and we're all just kind of <laughs> trying to figure out if we're going to survive or not or what's going to happen. So. We're trying to figure out what that one way is that is the one way out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but we'll see. But anyway, yeah, thank you all so much uh, for joining us here. Let's uh, jump into it. we got 104 of you already right off the bat joining us. So please hit that like button as you go along. If you're watching later, <laughs> leave a comment down below. And I think the thanks button is there on this as well. So after we drop it here on the channel, feel free to send some stuff in if you're watching later as well. Send some support in for sure. Uh, yes, uh, people asking us about Willow. We will be talking about Willow tomorrow. We will do a review of Willow tomorrow. And right now, it's kind of up in the air if we're going to get a chance to do a review of Wednesday, the entire series, sometime this weekend. So the Geek Buddies stuff, the week isn't over for the Geek Buddies for sure, but that, we're starting it off with this. I'll time. tell you that Willow discussion is going to be wild because, <laughs> because I watched it and I'm going to tell you right now without getting into the review, we'll save it for tomorrow. Yeah. But I know that my opinion of it, flaws and all, is going to be very different than your two opinions of it. And it is going to be a wild conversation. <laughs> So yeah, we'll be, we'll be recording that tomorrow and it'll be out as soon as we're done recording it and I edit it and put it up. So look for that tomorrow. But today we're talking about our live stuff here. Um, I don't think we decided the order, but I, I think James Gunn makes sense. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you want to go with hey, James Gunn? Fire away. You, you the boss, outlaw. You the right, boss. Let's do it. All right. Well, Jay, there's a lot of stuff that's been going down over the last few weeks uh, and few days, really, with James Gunn. A lot of rumors uh, popping around about what he's going to be doing with DC. You know, we've seen recently the stuff with Henry Cavill. Does he have a contract? Does he not have a contract? We see The Rock trying to defend Black Adam as an A24 movie for its box office results. Uh, and we can see that ship slowly sinking in the distance for sure. And But we've also seen him post pictures of Mr. Terrific. And then he posted a picture of Kingdom Come recently talking about plans. And we were given permission recently to talk about this also that we hear from our sources that in the next few uh, couple of weeks uh, that James Gunn is going to be pitching his DC plan to David Zaslav. So clearly James Gunn posting this stuff on Twitter and on Instagram uh, and talking about it. And certainly with the holiday special out, people have been asking about it on the press tour, uh, certainly laying down the groundwork for all this kind of stuff. So Mike, I go to you first. What are your thoughts about James Gunn kind of teasing all of this stuff? And even mentioned, uh, even mentioned uh, Booster Gold as being the one hero that a lot of people are clamoring to hear. So do you like this strategy or do you prefer more of a let's chill, let's keep it under wraps, let's move slowly? What is your feeling on this? I think this falls under the category that we've said often. DC is really great at announcing all the exciting stuff that they've got planned. <laughs> That's not their problem. Yeah. We've had a Spielberg Blackhawks movie. Like we've had everything under the sun that DC is going to tease us with. And even to your point, um, you know, as our sources have said, like this hasn't been pitched to Zaslav yet. So yeah. everything yeah. that's being tweeted, like, hey, here's a picture of Mr. Terrific. Here's Kingdom Come. We all love Kingdom Come. Hey, Booster Gold, you got to love Booster Gold. That's all great. That's all yeah. awesome. There's no plan yet. 
Like right. there's discussions of a plan, there's plans being put together, yeah. but the roadmap has not been run up the ladder to have everybody that needs to weigh in on the roadmap weigh in on the roadmap. So it's all great, it's all well and good, but it doesn't mean anything yet. And I think like, look, the thing about saying that, hey, everything's connected. Yeah. Saying everything's connected is so easy to say. And it is so hard to actually do, even if you're starting from scratch. Like, even when you're starting from scratch, let's just say hypothetically, one of us was a Hasbro executive. And let's say hypothetically, the people at Hasbro were like, how do you start a shared universe? And let's say hypothetically, you went to a retreat and you said, here is how you start a shared universe. You would be shocked at how many people are like, oh, I don't know. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, the Transformers animated movie and the Transformers live action movie, it's the same, right? No, it is not the same. There are different characters. So once you get into the weeds of how to untangle things that aren't connected and reconnect them and say, hey, everything that's happening in DC animation and everything that's in development for a DC video game and all of the movies that are coming out are going to be connected. Ooh, okay, except for Matt Reeves. Okay, everything but Matt Reeves is connected. Oh, wait, no, what about the Todd Phillips Joker? Okay, no, I meant everything is connected except Matt Reeves and Todd Phillips. Okay, well, we already have this game in development. Okay, well, that game won't be a part of the universe, but everything else is going to be a part of Like, you can just see how it's so great to say, let's all hold hands in Kumbaya, but when you get into the weeds, it is a mess. And was- DC in particular is a mess. Yeah, and certainly, uh, Michael, you bring up an excellent point. There's a track record of people coming in with all these plans and all these changes and all these things they want to do with DC and announce them to get the fans excited. And then they peter out or become a wet fart or don't even uh, get finished and then are brought back to maybe do a four hour cut and then pushed on out again. So it's just so confusing with DC and and Shannon, I turn to you on this. We've seen Marvel now recently making everything Canon, right? That they want from animated to the specials to, and we're going to get into guardians of galaxy all special later to the movies, to the TV shows, they're all connected now. So you see DC kind of following suit in this manner. So does it seem like the logical next step? Or do you think all these announcements are setting them up for a fall? Uh, I mean, I'm <laughs> kind of with Vogel that, you know, it, it's an easy thing to say and a very hard thing to execute, especially yeah. because you do have aspects um, cinematically that are working. Like, you yes. know, you can't argue with the success of Aquaman, even though Wonder Woman 84 was not most folks favorite movie i mean you still you don't want to get rid of gal gadot so it's like okay so how do we do this but how do we keep matt reeves robert pattinson how do we keep joaquin is there a way to squish this all together um right maybe i mean maybe there is but as of right now it just seems like there's so there's so many sort of independent limbs acting right now it's it's difficult to see how you sort of funnel that into one cohesive storyline. And James Gunn even said in an interview, he wanted to include the games, which I mean, you know, Star Wars has that. I mean, Star Wars has done that, but outside of, I think every other property, I mean, the games, when you, when you have a a big video game come out, like the, the, like the Arkham, Arkham Knight series, the Arkham, Arkham Asylum series, those exist completely independently. I mean, yes, you had Kevin Conroy, doing the voice of Batman for everything except Arkham Origins. But yeah. for the most part, like those are those act completely separate. So it it's it's a unique challenge that they have in front of them. And I think a lot of folks do feel good with James Gunn, someone who has come out of that 
Marvel machine who has yeah, seen yeah. like these are the things that it that it takes to to execute this properly, um, and someone that has a love of the characters. I mean, I love the fact yeah. that yeah, he did come out and say yes, Booster Gold is the one that we've gotten the most yeah. response with, um, Mister Terrific. Outside of you know Legends um, or Arrow, uh, Mister Terrific, you know, has never been on has never been on screen live action. I mean, we yeah, had the small screen yeah. version. Um, so you do know that as a fan, like he, I do think he is listening to people. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the story that he wants to tell. And if David Zasloff will get on board with it. I mean, when yeah. you're talking about a 10 year plan, I mean, again, that's an easy thing to put out there as a concept. But when you actually look at like, here are all the things that we need to do to make this happen. It can be a little, uh, a, a little overwhelming. I mean, even phase one of Marvel. I mean, that was 2008 yeah. to 2012. That was only four years. They're talking 10 years. They're talking, they're, they're talking, you know, uh, a, a decade. So it'll be, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I do like Mr. Terrific and I do like Booster Gold. I hope we get to see him. Um, but at this point, I mean, even if they were to get this approved right away, we're not going to see anything for, for, for a minute. I mean, yeah. you know, Aquaman comes out in what December of 2023. And after that, I don't think there are any DC movies outside of Joker two um, that are, that are currently in the works. Um, so yeah, I mean, even if the plan does get approved, you know, kind of post haste, it's going to be a minute before we see anything from it. Yeah. Um, I, go ahead, Mike, go ahead. No, uh, well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that, you know, we talk, we compare DC to Marvel so much because yeah, yeah. obviously it's the two big superhero brands. Marvel, Marvel has it, I don't want to say Marvel has it easy, but Marvel started with a plan for a shared universe. So looking at them for a roadmap is kind of tough because DC can't do that. But I think that, look, if you're a Star Wars fan and you've been a Star Wars fan for a long time, we all remember the day that they came out and just said, hey guys, everything yeah. isn't like we, the books, the video games, the comics, everything you've loved for the past several decades, dump it. Yep. It's all legends. It's not canon. And everything from this point forward is going to be canon. And everybody was upset about it. And everybody's like, how could they do this? Like, oh my God. But like the Han and Leia have the twins and blah, 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 blah. But what you've seen them do and what Dave Filoni, everybody has done really well is they've pulled the pieces that they want to pull. They've pulled yep. the old Republic. They've pulled Thrawn. They've reinterpreted characters. They've reintroduced characters in a different way, but they've taken pieces that people loved from the old canon and started to weave it into the new stuff, but yep. they gave themselves a clean slate. And I think that it's all, like I said, it's all well and good to say it's all connected, but you need to do something really big that cleans your slate. Shannon's right. And I think somebody just said, uh, Wiley Henry in the, just said in the chat, like, why are we only uh, judging them? Why are we only judging DC by their failures? Because um, they've had a lot of successes. And that's true. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem. If they were all failures, if we hated everything that DC did, it would be really easy to be like, dude, just dump it and start from scratch. Right. But like Shannon said, we don't want to do that. Peacemaker's great. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 is not great, but Gal Gadot is a great Wonder Woman. Aquaman, yeah. I don't love that movie, but Jason Momoa is charming as hell. Um, the news that hit James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Like, so there's a lot of pieces that you like. So I guess what I'm waiting for is for some big announcement that says, here's how we're doing this. Yeah. And, that, and maybe they're going to keep it secret and it's a movie. Something like A Kingdom Come, some huge earth-shattering event like that, 
might be the thing. I mean, yeah. I I would love it if like, and this is a bad example, but like, if you if you cast a young kid as a new Clark Kent, I know all you Henry Cavill fans hate me right now, but just go with me for a minute on this. Cast a new young kid as a Clark Kent on some alternate Earth. And start a Superman movie, and at the end of that Superman movie, the Earth opens up, and Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot and whoever we want drops out of it, and we start a new universe. Like you know, like you need to do something that big that yeah. says, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna give you this. Like we're starting from scratch. Here's how we're bringing in all the stuff that you all like. Yeah, we're moving forward. And until that happens, I just feel like they're gonna keep running into the same problem. I so I so recently saw a TikTok about this, and I want to play it because I think it's genius. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but this is uh, from no, no. Uh, Dave Columbo. Mr. Gunn, we are so happy to have you. A couple of notes about your new and exciting DCEU. You got to keep the old Superman, Aquaman, but not his love interest, Wonder Woman, but retconned her last movie, Cyborg yelled at us, so he's gone. No word yet from PR if we can afford to be associated with The Flash or finish their movie that literally reinvents everything. But you can move forward with the Suicide Squad that rebooted everything, except the characters we liked from the earlier one, but featured a Joker no one liked, but who Snyder kept as canon, but who we teased as somebody else in a completely disconnected Batman franchise, as well as a different character in the musical sequel to the also disconnected Joker origin story. Also, if you could figure out how to make it seem like the JSA have always been around, and while they don't kill, they don't have a problem with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all killing in their movies, that would be great. So what are your ideas? I mean, yeah, this is, this is basically it, isn't it? I mean, and that's the thing that I come back to. It's just, I've, I've watched that thing over and over again because it's 100% correct, and that's, when I look at all this stuff, I love James Gunn. I love Peter Safran. It's a producer. I think it's great for them to coming in. Announcing this stuff and talking about a 10-year plan to me feels like we're going to do Power Rangers 1. We're going to have six Power Rangers movies. It's going to be great. We're going to have seven Avatar films. It's going to be great. This kind of stuff where you're like just talking about stuff ahead of time, I hate putting the cart before the horse. Take it slow. Peace by Marvel didn't come out in 2008 and go, we got a 10-year plan. That was later after things started to have a little bit of success, a little bit of traction after they got sold to Disney. Then there was money there to do this 10-year plan. Then you started to hear those stories about Peter Feige and his board and all those people that sit in there and look at the board and map things out for 10 years. But starting off right now like this, I, I know it, in, it gets maybe the DC fans excited, but there are so many potholes and minefields that he's got to navigate. Because do you keep the rock as Black Adam? Do you really think Zachary Levi is going to play your Shazam in a kingdom come? No way. These other things like... <laughs> And not to me, I haven't seen depth and complexity from Zachary Levi to play that Shazam. No way. I don't think so. What are you doing with your Lex Luthor? What are you doing with your Superman? Cavill's not under contract. That came out as well. Uh, so you, you just have to ask all these questions about where he's going to go. I wish they could do the reset like Star Wars, Mike. Like you pointed out, if they could just hit the reset and go, we're starting the fuck all over again. James Gunn and Peter Safar are going to pick everybody. Thanks to all these actors who've been incredible and been in service of our work. We are now moving forward in a different way. And at least there's a bold new direction, new casts, new actors, new approaches. And they're all going to be going in one line. And they're all going to be with the mentality of one particular approach all the way through. I think that would be the approach. You don't cut the Matt Reeves or the, you can leave those out as outliers as Elseworld shit, but canon wise, I think this is the way to go. So uh, yeah, they're not going to do that, but so it's going to be interesting. And then you've got Jason Momoa saying, Oh, he's going to bring, you know, my dream come true in DC. And everybody's like Lobo. You can't have Aquaman 
and Lobo, the same actor. That doesn't seem to make sense to me in any way, shape, or form. So they're both very strong act uh, characters. By the way, you, I, you know what? At a certain point, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I want them to do an Aquaman versus Lobo movie, and Jason Momoa plays both of them, and like just be like, fuck it. But that's fuck the it. problem. We don't even know. Fight. We don't even know anymore, guys. Come see it. Momoa versus Momoa. This summer, summer 2026, <laughs> Momoa times two. Like, just fuck it. Hey, sure. Who are you? I'm you. What? No, I don't know if that works necessarily. Didn't we see that with Batista versus Momoa in C in season two? I don't know. But uh, but I this is the thing that I come back to. So, look, I want it to all work. We all want it to work, right? Because we're fans of the DC characters, and we know they haven't fully been mined uh, effectively and consistently for the great stories, the human stories that are involved or whatever you want to say, the emotional stories, I guess I should say, I don't want to be species specific, but the human stories that are involved in all these characters. And I think we've got to get that solved before we start talking about 10 year plans and all this kind of stuff. So, and we don't even know, as you said, Michael earlier, what Zaslov is going to say, what is Zaslov going to say? What is he going to do? What is he going to say? That's, I mean, cause they're, they're cutting budgets like crazy. Yeah. And he's going to be like, they're going to have this whole plan. He's going to be like, here's a dollar. Go make yourself a comic book movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the fear. Uh, Jason Momoa versus Jason Momoa, Don of Momoa tagline. Both their moms have the same name. There you go. Perfect. That's well said. Um, uh, all right. Anything more to say on this before we move on? No. Hey, finger, hey fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Lord of Darkness says, hello, buddies. It's Aman. I love your dynamic. It's so fun to watch. You're my go-to for movie, TV, and geek news because you three are in the industry. Oh, that's very kind. Mm, 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 mm. There you go. Uh, forgot to say hi from Amon. You're Texan in Cambridge, UK. And what do you think Gunn is planning over at DC? Well, I think we've we well, I think we just that. covered that one. Yeah, we Lobo versus <laughs> Lobo versus Aquaman. 2024. For this, Philip Bryan says, I so hope that we finally get a proper portrayal of Nightwing. Come on, man. That's my three cents. Yeah, Nightwing. Yeah. There's a lot of forgotten characters here that haven't gotten the live action trailer. It's almost like it's almost like somebody came along and directed a movie where they skipped over all the good Robin stories just to have a really cool Robin uh, with ha 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 all over its chest in the Batcave. There's a great line someone once told me that you can build a bridge and get over it, and I'm just telling you right now, I think that you need to build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> you know, he did what he did he did what he did <laughs> so, uh, but keep sending in your stream labs and super chats everybody uh, send in some love and support for us as we're coming to you live here in the morning we'll take a quick break and jump into our next topic which i don't think we know what it is but we'll be right back right after this do 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 We'll see. Um, I'll take the next one. Okay. Uh, look, hey guys, I don't know what you did Thanksgiving weekend, but if you're like most people globally, you checked out Wednesday on Netflix. Um, yeah. So Netflix has had a huge hit with their new Wednesday Wednesday series. Um, drew a whopping 341.23 million hours viewed in its first week, which uh, soared up to the top. It holds the record now for the most hours viewed in a week for any English language TV series on Netflix, wow. just beating out Stranger Things 4, which at its peak had 335 million hours viewed. The only thing it can't touch because 
holy shit, we all love this one, was Squid Game, which uh, logged in 571.8 million hours in its peak week. But aside from that, Wednesday is just killing it. It's in the top 10 in all 93 countries that Netflix tracks. It's still at number one in 83 of them. I mean, it is absolutely killing it. So if you enjoyed it uh, and were wondering if it's going to get a season two, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to get a season two of Wednesday. Um, so that's, I mean, that's great. You know I mean? Like we've all been excited about it. We, we reviewed the trailers as it came out. Um, I know I binged it all Thanksgiving weekend. It's definitely one of those shows that you start it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm going to ride through this whole thing. So what do you guys think? Uh, I know that we're hopefully planning on doing a full review of Wednesday, but did you watch it? Did you like it? Uh, what do you think about these numbers? What do you think about a season two? And why do you think that this worked so well uh, as opposed to other things that have come out that didn't hit as hard? Sure. I mean, we, my wife and I had a fantastic time watching this. It's one of those ideas that kind of when it's announced and then a- afterwards seeing it executed as a writer, you get mad you didn't think of because mm. it was like, oh, you took you took a character who was not the lead of of your ensemble, but you took this character that, has sort of you know kind of penetrated you know the the social zeitgeist and you you give them a new spin which is like aging her up a little bit and putting her in a putting her in a private school um and it was just such a great idea i mean gotham miller did a fantastic job and i think i tweeted it that this is in my opinion this is the best tim burton has been in a long long time i mean this is just one of those great marriages of the right director with the right material um even as we were watching it it was like they they could have gone anywhere with this character i mean they could have aged her up another 10 years and made her a private eye i mean there there are so many things that they could have done and this one worked out so so well i mean when you look at other like i did not watch chilling adventures of sabrina i know there there had been some comparisons to that there'd been some comparisons to sort of like oh it's like the it's like the comically horror harry potter um I, I guess there, you know, there's no sort of escaping those comparisons, yeah, right. but because Jenna Ortega just did such a fantastic job and the supporting cast across the board was just gangbusters. I, I mean, it, it, it just connected. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you have an established property that the, the, the public by and large uh, do have an association with and, and largely a good association with, I mean, when you think back, it, it, you know, if you don't remember the old John Aston show. I mean, you you remember the Raul Julia, Angelica Houston, you know, uh, movie, maybe movies, um, maybe not the one with Daryl Hannah, um, but everyone has a good good association with that. And the fact that you were able to include Christina Ricci, who I think probably was kind of responsible for elevating that character to you know to uh, to a higher level. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the show was just, the show was just a blast. It was, it was so much fun to watch. I mean, even though like it did come out on Thanksgiving when we were all off and, and had some time, God, I would have loved to have seen this during Halloween. I think this would have been such a fun October watch, but, um, either way it was just, it, it they just really kind of knocked it out of the park. I mean, I, unfortunately I feel like the only place they have to go is down because the, the first season was so good. Um, but knowing that they want to include, the family had the family in a more featured role. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just a fantastic series. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I, I'm only three episodes in and I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm liking the approach. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always trepidatious with Tim uh, because 
Uh, he's burned me so many times before. You know, I put him in that box with uh, Guillermo del Toro and other creators that have these occasional spikes of great movies or great content. And even within their not-so-good content, there are great scenes or great sequences, and you're like, why couldn't the whole movie be as good as this? And so you have these concerns, and certainly Tim Burton recently had been kind of hit and miss for me, so I was concerned. But having seen the trailers, I was excited, so that's why I gave it a chance, and certainly I'm enjoying it now, and I think Jenna Ortega is fantastic. I do agree the family is being kind of shoved aside. When you made such a big deal of the casting, it kind of surprised me a little bit, but again, I'm only three episodes in. I'm not surprised by this, though, and I... I think it was genius for them to drop it over Thanksgiving. You wanted something new. You were sitting at home. What's the thing that you can watch there? And it's generational. Like you said, to John Astage, Kel, you can go all the way up to grandpa and grandma reading the comic strip to the John Aston, to the rule Julia, to even the most recently, the Oscar Isaac animated ones. So you've got connective tissues here of multiple generations who could enjoy this approach. Then Jenna Ortega coming in and delivering a fantastic performance as he has so as she has so far in what I've seen, and Gwendolyn Christie being involved in this. There's so much here for people to enjoy, and it is something you can watch with the family, right? And I think that also helped with the numbers and the hours and what have you. And it, it's hitting that sweet spot with the younger generation, just like Stranger Things did. You hit that sweet spot with the younger generation that older generations can watch, but it's really the younger generation, the young demo that you want to hit. And I think. They treat her as an intelligent person. They treat her as someone who is navigating a, a, as, a, as a rebel, in essence, in all of this stuff. And certainly people love rebels. So that all kind of blends through. Plus, it's really well written, really well directed. It's paced so well so far. So I'm not surprised by this. But it happens. We have those. Netflix has a tendency to do, right? Get that, get that one thing. It captures the zeitgeist. And I think they were actually smart to drop it on Thanksgiving, Shannon, because you had all these days off over the weekend to watch it and enjoy it versus Halloween where you don't really get the day off. So I think they, they understood what they were doing with this situation. Plus, I mean, the sequel, right. Had a Thanksgiving connection itself. So it just, it just kind of like figured it, it worked for what they were trying to do. You know, it's the further disenfranchising of Thanksgiving. Let's be real. I don't even know why we even have that holiday. To be honest with you. <clears throat> All right. Anything more to say on this, on these numbers? Wow. Wow. Dogging on Thanksgiving, man. Okay. Curveball, curveball here. I, I enjoyed my turkey and stuffing. Um, no, I mean, I think you're right. I think I think that they very much did lean on the nostalgia of the live action movies of the Angelica yeah. Houston, Raul Julia. Like, I mean, yeah. even the fact that the villain, uh, the the overall villains in this are pilgrims, yeah. like in the town that there's a pilgrim town and that everything else. And that it is placed at Thanksgiving. Like, it, you can just see the little areas where they were like, oh, most people at a certain age grew up with the live action movies. That yeah. is kind of the touch point for this family. Um, even the fact, I mean, Adam's family has always been like the, que the, 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 the quirky, you know, kooky family. But yeah. those live action movies, the Raul Julia Angelica Houston one, really kind of nailed this whole vibe of like, they might be weird but they are a tight family. Like yeah. they will yeah. always be there for each other. So a lot of those elements kind of rolled over into this one. Um, and look, I think that the comparisons to Sabrina, the comparisons to Harry Potter, the comparisons to all these things, they're accurate, but they're not necessarily bad. Like yeah. taking, the, taking what worked about a lot of those franchises and putting Wednesday Adams in the middle of it uh, and making it feel very Adams family, like I, I think it was a win across the board. So we'll definitely talk more about it when we review it, but yes. I definitely see why it did so well. 
Yeah, fair point. All right, we've got 230 of you all watching us right now live. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Please make sure you hit a like on this video. And if you're watching later, hit a like and leave a comment down below. Also, subscribe to the channel. Take a moment. If you haven't subscribed, try to get me to 25,000 subscribers on here. So please hit that subscribe button and keep sending in your Streamlabs and Super Chats as we go along. we got a Streamlab from Hill Nellums. Good to see you, Hill. Thanks for stopping by, my man. He says, if Gemini Man and Double Impact can do it, we can totally get Momoa versus Momoa. Let's make it happen. Uh, I really enjoyed the Darkness of the Galaxy holiday special. GoBots being MCU canon now totally threw me for a loop. Glad I finally got a chance to catch you guys live. There you go. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the GoBots thing a little bit later. <laughs> but great to know that you're on the Momoa versus Momoa situation. <laughs> We're going to make that happen for sure. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll jump into some trailers and have a fun discussion there right after this. Um, before we dive into all the trailers we have planned, right. I don't know if you guys are seeing this in the chat, but yes. a lot of people would like us to do a live reaction of the uh, the new Transformers trailer that just dropped. Uh, it might get us a strike, and I don't. Well, might get us a, a copyright claim on it, so I don't know if we can do that. But um, all right, fine, we can figure it out. Let me let me figure it out. But uh, Shannon, uh, let's jump into these trailers, and then if I can get it squared away <laughs> to do the other trailer, we'll do it. Okay, so we got trailers, trailers, trailers. It might be trailers, 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 trailers. But today, not including Transformers Rise of the Beast, we get a bunch of seconds. We get our second look at a big animated movie coming out. We get a look at the second spinoff from a popular cable show. And we get a trailer that makes you take a second, which we're going to talk about that one first with Cocaine Bear. (laughs) So this one just came out um, based on a true story pretty loosely about a, about a bear in the woods who ingests some cocaine and goes on a uh, terrifying bender um this i'm gonna I, i've got some strong thoughts about this one so i'm gonna throw it over to you all first what did you think of our first look at cocaine bear mikey i'm in yeah i'm in uh it's weird it's a funny trailer because when you look at it it looks like a sharknado Like, it very much is, like, it it gives you the vibe of, like, one of those, like, super cheesy movies. But then you see, oh, okay, well, it's Lord and Miller. Elizabeth Banks is directing it. And regardless of your opinion of Elizabeth Banks as a director, she's not someone who just did, like, a a sci-fi movie. Like, you know, definitely, like, Universal is definitely putting some, uh, some power behind this. And particularly the Lord and Miller part of it. It, it just like, it's such a crazy concept. Uh, and if you've heard the story, it is just hilarious. Like some drug dealers had to like throw their cocaine out of a plane so they didn't get caught and a bear ate it all. Like, it's just a crazy story. And so the vibe of the trailer is just bananas. Um, but like, I'm here for it. Like I, it's just so funny. The name is so stupid. It makes me laugh so hard. Like maybe this is a big miss for Lord and Miller, but look, Lord and Miller are the guys that made a Lego movie emotional. Like they, they helped shepherd into the spider verse into being one of the best Spider-Man movies. They made 21 jump street, a great movie. Like these guys again and again and again have proven that they really understand uh, how to take ridiculous concepts, crazy concepts, concepts that probably shouldn't work, and actually put 
story, character, and emotion at the forefront. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're as excited as we are about the sequel to Into the Spider Verse because Lord and Miller are behind it, I say give Cocaine Bear a chance. Yeah, and they probably created a fantastic solo film that we're never going to get to see, unfortunately. But yeah, I like this idea. Look, the cast is great. I did a trailer reaction to this thing. Yet, as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, I got to do a reaction to this one. Uh, this has an interesting cast. I mean, you've got Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich, the late great Ray Liotta, Marga Martindale, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. It's a hell of a cast that you've got involved in this. Plus all the younger kids that I don't really know. Brooklyn Prince, I think one of them is there. So you got all these great kids involved in it. Plus, yeah, Elizabeth Banks, look, she made money directing some of these movies. And Charlie's Angels, for the most part, got good reviews, though it didn't do well at the box office. So she's not a bad director by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, what you think of her? So you look at the situation. Okay, this is an interesting take. Plus it's Universal Pictures that has kind of been leaning into this situation. I think bad, I think uh, Violent Night is Universal Pictures as well. As well. So they're starting to understand this darkly comedy horror niche is working for people. People will go see these movies. And so this makes sense. You've got to put in some good talent and people will come see it, right? And so I like that combination. I mean, Alden Ehrenreich, I saw someone tweet out, this may be the line delivery of the year. You know, it's a the bear ate cocaine! You know, that kind of approach. And I think it's genius. So all around, it's fun. And that shot of the bear diving towards the ambulance, we understand what kind of movie this is and what we're involved in. So that's going to make it fun. But it did, they didn't remove the horror of someone getting dragged through the woods or Margot Martindale doing her best Leonardo DiCaprio from Revenant. So that kind of stuff keeps you involved in this for sure. Shannon? Well, okay. So <laughs> on on first watch and, you know, having a, a bunch of folks who had already watched it ahead of me be like, oh, it's, it's going to be huge. Biggest movie of all time, which, you know, I understand is a little bit of hyperbole. Right. Um, the thing with the... Even though there is a sufficient amount of pedigree um, associated with the talent, um, to me, this has the high possibility of being like other films that have had those truly insane concepts, like mm-hmm. Snakes snakes on a Plane, or The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, these, yeah. these, these movies that sort of collapse under the weight of these insane premises. Now, the, the, I think the... Uh, positive it's your, it's is your opinion unbearable that, weight was good i don't know what you're talking no about. i i thought it was perfectly fine yeah. i thought for what the concept was versus what was delivered uh, i think there i think there is a there's a gap there okay but okay. the fact that you know we are uh now in december the movie comes out in february it's like okay you don't people don't have that long to simmer on this as a concept like mm, get the movie true. out get the movie out fast because it's again, in those dead months too of january and february to a degree so yeah. yeah so i think that is actually smart but uh, i i just get snakes on a plane vibe like i i think it, it could be it could be funny it could be funny and you know what when we saw snakes on a plane i had an absolute blast oh. <laughs> and like it was such a dumb movie every time they went into that like uh that night vision people in the theater were screaming out snake vision um uh, look like that that was a fun that was a fun night that I'm like, I've never seen that movie again. And I never hear, I never hear the words uttered ever again after. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, I'm, I'm, I hope that we get to go get to go have like an old school dude night where we go and have some drinks and then go to see cocaine bear. Um, but outside of that, I feel like everyone is so excited by the insane premise that the movie potentially uh, has the uh, uh, prospect of not really delivering. I place I'll place a little wager on that one. I, I saw Violent Night and loved it. So I they've got a lot of credibility with me right now. So 
uh, I, I give it a chance. I hope you guys are right. But either way, <laughs> all of us will find out on February 24th next year, just a couple of months. So our next trailer is for 1923. This is the second spinoff of the Yellowstone series. Their first uh, spinoff was 1883 that came out on Paramount+. Plus that just did gangbusters like that was one that i watched and really really enjoyed after having <coughs> jumped off the yellowstone train i think i i haven't seen anything since season three but this one all-star cast harrison ford helen mirren we got jerome flynn from game of thrones timothy dalton showing up um i really really like this trailer and on the heels of 1883 which i really enjoyed yeah. um I'm pretty optimistic about this one, but I'll throw it over to you, gentlemen. What did you all think of this look at 1923? I liked it. I mean, you've got crotchety old Harrison Ford, so what isn't there to like there? I mean, I don't like him jumping into the back of a runaway uh, uh, caravan there or whatever that is at the uh, near the end of the trailer. That scares me for a man of his age, but I like him coming in. I don't know if I buy him going, like, you know, if you mess with my family, it's the last thing you'll ever do. I don't think he has the Costner kind of creepy gravitas to play a role like that, but I'm willing to concede because Helen Mirren is, you know, making up for that big time with that. That I think she's got the Irish accent of hers working. I think it's fantastic what she's doing here in the trailer. The trailer only loses me when we go to the young people and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I don't want any of that. Give me the badass hard, hard scrabble life. Give me the hardcore exchanges. That's the stuff that lost me in Yellowstone. I'm with you, Shannon. I, I dipped out in the middle of season three. I was like, I can't handle the soapy aspects of this. It's too ridiculous. But the harder edges of that stuff was great in the first two seasons. So I was sad to see it kind of go away a little bit in yellow in season three. I haven't watched 1883, so I don't know if, if, it's, if that's more of a harder edge too. But this one looks fun and interesting. I like the cast. We've got a really good set of actors beyond the name cast. There's a good set of character actors like Marley Shelton involved in this. So I'm curious to see what more we're going to get from this. But yeah, I'm in. I mean... Helen Mirren screaming after she's unleashed her shotgun there over someone. I think that's awesome. So we're going to get some emotional stuff going on with these characters that is tough. So what do you think, Mike? Uh, I think you're, you guys are funny. You guys, you like, it is the, the key to like making these shows that really do work. I mean, and, and the Yellowstone franchise is like huge for Paramount is that it gives you the hard edge stuff for the grumpy old crotchety people. And it you gives you the soap you opera with the younger people. Like that's where, like the soap opera aspects and the younger cast, like that's where the hits happen. Because if you only make shows for the crotchety old people, it's not gonna work. Um, but I do think that what I think is really fascinating about all this, I, I thought the trailer was great. I think it's, you know, we were talk, we just talked so much about DC and M the MCU and Star Wars and shared universes. Who knew? The Paramount Plus was going to get to build a shared universe yeah. like out of Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. who knew that they were going to be able to just start spinning off different years on that Dutton Ranch and and everybody was like, "Yeah, I'm in. I want to know about every generation of Duttons. Give me give me Yellowstone 2028, give me Yellowstone 3072, like just keep <laughs> going." Like and and they and they like they pack it, they give you, I mean, I was teasing you, but it's also true. They give you these really big name stars that people of our generation are like, oh, this is the real deal. Yeah. But they give you a lot of young actors. They give you like a lot of storylines. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. I don't disagree that I think 
I don't think that Yellowstone getting soapy is the problem. I think Yellowstone spun off on a couple characters that I didn't really care about and their storylines near the end. And I was like, all right, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit dried up, but I think the spinoffs are really good. And I'm just, I just kind of find the whole thing fascinating because Yellowstone is an absolute beast of a show. And it's one of those shows that uh, everybody is watching. Like younger people are watching it. Older people are like, it's just a show that just has this mass appeal. Um, and it looks like they're handling it well. Like the spinoffs don't feel cheesy. The spinoffs yeah. feel like, yeah, these are great. There's a lot of great story here. Uh, and kind of telling the story of this ranch through the different generations and seeing kind of the the rise and fall of the cowboy which is clearly kind of the story that they're really interested in telling from a bigger, from a macro aspect. Yeah. It's really fascinating. So I'm, I'm on board. Well, and Yellowstone was such a, an unexpected hit for Paramount because yeah, yeah. it airs on the Paramount network. Um, but streaming, it's not on Paramount plus you can only watch it on Peacock. I mean, that was, that was like, yeah. they did not, they didn't know that right. this was going to take off the way that they, that the way that it did. And the two spinoffs, you can only get them on Paramount plus. And I think the advantage that the spinoffs have, um, is that they are telling these insulated stories. Yeah, so yeah. You don't have to worry about at the end of the season, okay, what storyline are we going to be able to come up for this character? Are we going to roll the dice and, and expand on another character that might not uh, connect with the audience? Right. So I, I think what they're doing is really, really cool. And if they do keep going in these sort of you know spans of 40 years, like if we get a 1963 where one of the Dutton kids runs off to California and becomes a hippie and comes yeah, back to yeah. the ranch, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, who's the kid in uh, and remember the Titans? Sunshine, yeah, they get Sunshine to be uh, one of the Duttons. Um, also, I want to say this real quick shout out to Paramount Plus, like quietly constructing some damn good shows. Tulsa King is fucking good. Strange New Worlds was excellent. And now you've got, as you said, Michael, this uh, Dutton-verse that they've essentially created with these three shows. Quietly and and just without making any big deal, they're just doing their work and doing their content. And people are grabbing Even the new Criminal Minds Evolution, we gave it a shot the other night. I loved it. I really liked it. And I, di- I dipped out of Criminal Minds last two or three seasons. They got too soapy again. And, and, but this one is much more... Uh, much more on the edge of things, and I like that uh, overall. And by the way, crotchety uh, uh, Andor didn't have any cutesy things, and it worked just fine for us crotchety old folks. So it, it does, and it's great, I mean, it, and it's it, also it, having trouble finding its audience. That's, well, that's, that's the, and, like, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not happy that we have an Andor. I think Andor is great, but when you look at Wednesday Adams breaking records and them trying to get Andor out on Hulu and Andor yeah. and everybody else to get people to watch it. It's, it's, that's the, and look, that's the executive side versus the creative side. Creatively, I'm so thrilled that Andor got to be the show that it was and gave us this hard hitting, rough around the edges Star Wars. But there's a reason that younger kids are not like clamoring to watch it. Like that's, that's kind of the trade off. It's because they haven't experienced the hell that life is. Anyway, all right. Uh, (laughs) Speaking, speaking of the hell that life is, what's our next trailer? (laughs) Well, first 1923 comes out December 18th on Paramount plus and to the trailer that Vogel cannot wait to talk about. It's our second look at the super Mario brothers movie. We covered the teaser. Uh, I think I was probably the most enthusiastic in terms of the comedy. Right. 
Um, but now we get a little bit more from Chris Pratt's Mario. We get to hear Anya Taylor-Joy's Princess Peach. We get more of Jack Black's Bowser. Uh, we get to hear Charlie Day's uh, Luigi. So, um, you know, we got thoughts on this trailer, but... Uh, I I, I kind of want to go to John first, okay? Because I feel like Vogel is coming out with a uh, with both barrels. So Johnny, what did you yeah. think of the second look at the Super Mario Brothers movie? <laughs> look, as someone who is not like humping Mario's leg and never bought the games and never was all into that kind of stuff, I always appreciated people's love of it. But I played the game maybe three times in my entire life, as we spoke about with the teaser trailer. I really liked this trailer. With that teaser trailer, I was like, ah. Uh, this trailer gave me more. I don't know if I see the groundbreaking voiceover work from Chris Pratt necessarily, but <laughs> I like that his Italian is subtle. His accent is subtle. It's not really overt. He's trying to kind of walk that line between he doesn't want to offend people uh, and he doesn't want to do Jared Leto from Gucci, uh, but he also wants to give him a little bit of an Italian accent. And I think it worked, actually. The visuals were great. The stuff with Bowser I really liked. My only concern is I would have liked a different voice for Princess Peach. I think would have always seen the character. I've had a different voice in mind and not, of course, the actress who's played it in the Mario stuff. But like Anya Taylor-Joy just can't help sounding like Anya Taylor-Joy. And I think with Chris Pratt, he's doing a bit of a different approach to it. So there's a little more depth to what he's doing. And I like Charlie Day as Luigi. I really felt their connection, not only physically when you saw them in the in the trailer, but also in the conversations and, and uh, back and forth with each other. So to me, as someone who's not like, ah, Mario, I, it really worked for me. And I can't wait to see it, to be honest with you, and enjoy a lot of this stuff for me for the first time. All right, there's my two cents. Go ahead. Mikey. Uh, let's go. Oh, uh, oh, boy. No, I here's the thing. I actually think, look, it looks real. The animation looks great. The character what? animation is awesome. It's a very rich looking world. And if you're a fan of the Mario franchise, like of any aspect of the Mario franchise, this trailer has a lot to get excited about. Um, you got Donkey Kong, like you got the you got the flying raccoon suit, you got the fireball, you got the Mario, like you got all the pieces. I think that my concern, just given Illumination's track record with movies, is that what I kind of came with, you see, when you get a teaser, the teaser trailer is, here's like a little flavor of what the movie is. And then the trailer is like, here's the story. And I like the fact that Mario's not going off to rescue a princess. It looks like Mario's going to rescue Luigi with the princess's yeah. help. Yeah. Um, but kind of, I said this on a text chain to some friends. They were like, oh, the Mario trailer looks really great. And I was like, kind of like this, like, hey, guys. Look, we got uh, we got Mario Kart, we got Donkey Kong, we got Fireballs, we got Flower Fire, and you're like, okay, cool, but what's the movie about? We got Donkey Kong, we got Flower Fire, we got Mario, like, 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 I don't really get a sense of the movie as opposed to, hey, here's a greatest hits record of everything you like about Mario in one movie, right. and fitting all of that into one movie and making it all make sense and doing that, like, it might be great. Like, I might go see this movie and I will come out and be like, guys, I was wrong. They nailed it. I felt like I was an eight-year-old again. It was amazing. My concern is, you know, we were just talking about Lord and Miller and the Lego movie. Yeah. And that movie just like, you know, like slapped us all in the face with being good. Like we're like, okay, Lego's making a movie. Let's go see it. There's a lot of people in it. And all of a sudden you got this wonderful, beautiful, emotional story about this son and this dad and what it means to be just like the generic brick guy. Like, like they really turned this into something while still giving us all the ridiculous Lego pieces and cameos and all that stuff. So if this manages to be the Mario version of that, yeah, 
I'm going to be thrilled. Okay. Illumination thus far, given their track record, doesn't make me feel like we're going to get that. Didn't they do Minions uh, and Despicable Me? That's pretty successful, right? Well, successful and good are two different things. Successful. They're very, very successful. But it okay. I haven't seen all of the Illumination films. The ones that I have seen, they cut a great trailer. Which I think the suit I, I think even the second trailer, even I with my misgivings about Chris Pratt, yeah. um, uh, I, I still think that trailer, that's a good trailer. That's a solid trailer. Mm. Um, the Historically, for me as a viewer, um, Illumination has not delivered. And based off the trailer, based off their past trailers, I'm like, I, I don't expect that to change. Um, and, and I'm like you, John. I was a, I was a casual Mario fan. I like playing yeah. Mario Kart at Vogel, in Vogel's dorm room. <sighs> How did you guys grow up in the same generation? A casual Mario player. Like, there's like 95 Mario games in our lifetime. The most Mario I played was at your dorm freshman year. That is the most. Seven years makes a difference, Mikey. Seven years. I never, I think I played it twice in your dorm. Roka's over, over, over there playing Pong on his Atari. Tetris, Tetris, man. Tetris. He's, he's got the can with the string over to the next room. You guys doing? What? Well, we will all find out when the Super Mario's Brother movie comes out April 7th. Right on. Put it on the calendars, ladies and gentlemen. I can't wait to see it. Let's hit some of these super tests before we move on to our next, our big uh, main topic, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, reviewing it. This Philip Bryan says, I know this is a bit off topic. I just watched the Guy Pierce version of A Christmas Carol. I highly recommend. I think that's the one on FX, I think. Mm-hmm. What, what, is yeah. your favorite, what is your favorite version of the classic story? What is the best made version? This one was truly rooted in trauma and healing. Yeah, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on that real quick? I did like that FX one because that was like a Christmas Carol for grownups. Um, no cutesy you know, stuff. No young adults. No. Okay. Well, I mean, I grew up with the the animated Disney with Scrooge McDuck. Oh right. Yeah. To me, that was my introduction to uh, to a Christmas a Christmas Carol. So for me, that will always be the the ultimate version. Even though I do really like uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol. Okay, uh, Mike. What is your favorite um, Yeah, I, I actually think the Guy Pierce version is really, really fun. It's a good version. Um, I was just talking about this on Twitter because I just watched Spirited. But uh, I think that Muppet Christmas Carol actually is one of the better versions of Christmas Carol, mainly because since Gonzo plays Charles Dickens, it's one of the few versions that takes a lot of Dickens' actual writing from the book and puts the dial that right in like that actual narration that dickens wrote right into the movie so muppet christmas carol is actually really really good um i think honestly as far as adaptations go one of my favorites it's not even a movie or a cartoon it's batman noel um if you haven't if you haven't gone and read batman noel i know kalinowski does the same thing the two of us read it every single uh christmas and it is a it's the Batman version of Christmas Carol with Batman as Ebenezer Scrooge and uh, just uh, Catwoman as the kind of Catwoman as the ghost of Christmas past and Superman as the ghost of Christmas present and kind of the Joker as the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Like, it's really wild. It's a great read. Yeah. And then honestly, uh, and if you haven't watched it yet, Spirited might be stacking up to be one of my favorite Ooh. adaptations of Christmas Carol. It is just ridiculously fun with music from Pasek and Paul who did Dear Evan Hansen and Greatest Showman. So it's kind of a banger. It's so good. I finally watched it. I finally get your good afternoon references. 
It was so good. Good afternoon. So good. Good afternoon. <laughs> Boy, I never. It was so good from top to bottom because I was like, because uh, some of the reviews hadn't been 100% great. So I was like, eh. and then I started. I was like, this is so cute. You turn Will Ferrell down a little bit, the comedy, and turn up the humanity of him, and he's great. He's just, that's the Will Ferrell I love. And seeing that here come through is great. Um, uh, um, oh, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Octavia is Spencer. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Octavia Spencer is great, is what I was trying to say. Octavia Spencer, the chemistry with them is so cool. And of course, the songs and all of that work. And Ryan is great. Ryan does his thing and he's great. And I think the dude, uh, Jacob Marley, who runs all the, I, I like, he's great. I like him too as an actor being a part of this. So, Totally. And the twist, when you find out the twist, I was like, oh, oh that's it's a good. good twist. That's a good twist. <laughs> that's a good twist. All right. Corey M says, um, I think DC should use the Matt Reeves Batman as a jumping off point for a new universe. I like Batman, the animated universe and the DCAU. They probably won't, though. Also love the show. I think he's talking about us. So what do you guys think? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I don't I don't actually disagree with that because I think Matt Reeves' Batman is a great starting off point. I think yeah. Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson have absolutely no desire whatsoever to share their universe. I think they want to tell that story they want to tell. Yeah. And if they had to deal with Superman and Aquaman and Lobo and Booster Gold showing up, they would be like, get me the fuck out of here. So I think, I think it's probably not going to happen because creatively that team is not in that wheelhouse. But I don't disagree that that would be a great starting off point. I just yeah. want to see Aquaman and Lobo showing up at Batman's going, <laughs> <laughs> You guys look the same. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, when they initially approached Matt Reeves to do a Batman movie, it was to be it was to be in the DC universe right, right. proper. And that wasn't what he wanted to do. So yeah, I, I would I would doubt that he he would want to venture down that path. Even I mean, though I bet you could convince Pattinson to do it. Probably the crazy. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been part of a franchise before. Hello, Twilight. The 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 all the uh, the issue with this also the interesting irony of this is if they bring if Zaslav is really considering bringing Affleck back as Batman, I mean that whole Matt Reeves Batman type of situation with Affleck is so interesting now if they're actually in the same universe or whatever. So, um, Alex Inman said at Disneyland having breakfast while my geek buddies talk the Mario movie live. <laughs> Great Thursday. A few words on the trailer. Mario and Peach adventuring together. Battle Princess Peach and Yoshis. I know you're excited about those Yoshis. I want to know where you're having breakfast at Disneyland. Where I need to I need to get a picture of like where you are as you're listening to Geek Buddies so I can fully get the Disney image in my head. There you go. Let us know, Alex. Uh, Haskell420 saying, speaking of trailers, the new Transformers Rise of the Beast trailer dropped. And wow, first ever live Geek Buddies trailer reaction. Hmm. Look, I'd love to do it, guys, but it will put a copyright strike on the video, uh, possibly, and then the whole video, all ninety minutes. I won't be able to, we won't be able to monetize it because we have to get the studio to release their hold or copyright thing on it. Maybe I can convince the guys to do one right after we're done doing this live show, and we'll put it up as a separate video. But uh, live, I don't think we can do it, unfortunately. Um, JB says, uh, can we get a Geek Buddies Mario Kart grudge match on YouTube or Twitch? You guys are the best. Thanks. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't know, I don't know how much of a match it's gonna be seeing that these two have never played a Mario game except in my college dorm room. So we'll see. But uh, I'm happy to whip their asses as I oh, motorcycle oh. Princess Peach around the Rainbow Road. Right. This guy's Mario Kart turn of two thousand. Give me if, a break. If our injustice competitions are any indicator, I will destroy you. <laughs> 
That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Shannon, has, Shannon has ripped our intestines out multiple times on that game. Uh, Derek Johnson says, dropped in to show some love to you all. John, I saw your Emancipation review. Wasn't excited, but after seeing your glowing review, I will check it out. Did I miss the Transformers Beasts trailer talk? This one with Anthony Ramos looks amazing. I, I, what do you guys want to do? I, I put it on. Here's what we do. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody, look. You're all listening to this live. I hear what Roke is saying. We are going to take a break after these Streamlabs. We're going to talk Guardians of the Galaxy. And then when we get off of this, we're going to do an immediate trailer reaction, put it up. Geek Buddies, Transformers, Rise of the Beast. There you go. It'll be up. You guys can check it out. I am ridiculously curious because in the chat you guys all seem pretty excited and as anyone who watches geek buddies knows i am not excited about those transformers live action movies with the exception of bumblebee so let's do the rest of this we'll do it as a separate thing we will get it up you guys can see it it'll be awesome fuck it we won't do it live yeah exactly exactly um <laughs> uh, all right let me see if i've got any stream labs oh yeah derek absolutely go see emancipation i saw it last night it is incredible antoine fuqua he doesn't always direct a good movie, when he, but when he does, he does it really well, and he did an incredible job in this. And yes, Will Smith should absolutely be nominated for Best Actor for this film. It is even better than what he did in King Richard, and that's saying something. So just throwing it out that this to me is like Philadelphia Forrest Gump. One right after. It's really a one-two bang here for Will Smith, and it's a shame that he's probably not going to be nominated, but it's an incredible film. And I'll do a review of it probably Monday uh, because it's not coming out until next week. So, but yes, absolutely watch this when it does come out next week. Um, let's see, we got the stream labs uh, real quick from Fantastic. Hey, Geek Buddies, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. If anyone wanted a Mantis Drax series, this was a wonderful start. My favorite moment of the whole episode was probably Groot yelling, I am Groot, during the first live song of the episode. Well, Fred, let us put a pin in that and we'll swing back to your stream lab when we jump into the review. Uh, and let's do that right after this. I'm glad that you know the music, even though you don't apparently play the games at all. Strong shots being taken. Strong shots. We're gonna we're gonna set this Super Mario card up. I think we're gonna have to. I will drive up for that. I will drive. Oh, I'm down. Yeah, we might even do it live. Have someone host it live while the three of us play. That would be a lot of fun. Maybe get a guest host to come join us. And and yeah. if I if I lose, we got to play Injustice right afterwards. Oh, <laughs> gracias. Although I have been playing Mortal Kombat 11. So. Anyway, all right. Um, let's have you ever play. played strip? Have you ever played strip Mortal Kombat? Is that just what? me? What? It's like strip poker, except it's Mortal Kombat. Now, no. real question, real talk. <laughs> is this a thing, or, or is this a bit? Yeah, I mean. It's a bit, but also have I done it? Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you really doubt that Michael has done this? <laughs> I have no doubts. Uh, just a new wrinkle, okay. Um, all right, well, let's jump into the Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's go to a completely different direction into the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. This came out just a few days ago. 45, 44 minutes uh, special here. Uh, in the vein of what they've done before with uh, Werewolf by Night, this kind of special presentation uh, uh, connected to a holiday uh, and they did this one a little bit early. You know, we just got into December uh, today, I think. So uh, we, so it was a little bit early. But I think it was a, such an interesting story here where basically we find out uh, uh, from Craglin that Yondu ruined Peter's Christmas. And we see that through the Ralph Bakshi style of animation, which was such a nice surprise. Then we go to live action. Mantis, we find out Mantis is uh, the sister of Peter Quill. She doesn't know how to tell him. 
So she thinks a great gift. Well, yeah, exactly. A great gift would be to go get Kevin Bacon. Drax comes along. They go on this two-hander for about 30, uh, 20, 25 minutes of the, of the, of the show, grab Kevin Bacon uh, and bring him back to nowhere because we found out that the Guardians have bought nowhere, apparently, from the collector, and they are trying to soup it up. We get some great music. And we get some uh, reference to human trafficking from Peter Quill. Uh, and we get uh, Rocket uh, getting Bucky's arm from Nebula. Uh, and Kevin Bacon running away when he's finally taken out of the trance that Mantis put him in. But then coming back and leaving us with a very positive story about uh, Christmas and the power of it uh, to help people come together and enjoy the spirit of Christmas. And we find out that Craglin, like I knew from the beginning, was an unreliable narrator and there was more to this story than we thought. We find out that uh, uh, Yondu gave um, uh, Quill his blasters and Quill gave him that little uh, toy that he has on the front of the ship. So a lot of stuff happened here. Mikey, overall thoughts on this? What really stood out to you? What really worked for you overall? What didn't work for you? I mean, this is like Marvel firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And it's James Gunn firing on all cylinders. It was great. Like, I think that... I love this whole concept of the specials. I mean, Werewolf by Night followed up immediately by this Guardians holly, yeah. uh, holiday special. Like, they can just keep doing this as far as I'm concerned. Like, this is a great way to have, like, it's a nice little self-contained thing that still being part of the MCU has little threads that they're going to pick up. So I love that this was just this fun little Guardians romp with Mantis and Drax going to Earth, scooping up Kevin Bacon. And it's really a pretty simple, straightforward story. Yeah. But... Within that, they dropped some big bombs. Like like John said, like, okay, so the Guardians own nowhere now. Yeah. And the bigger bomb, like Mantis is Peter's sister. I mean, that's such a huge piece of information for them to drop. It's our first look at the new look for Groot. Uh, you know, we've we've had we've had regular Groot, we've had baby yeah. Groot, we've had puberty Groot, and now we get this Groot, which based on what we saw at Comic-Con footage, is the is kind of the look that Groot's gonna have in volume three of Guardians. Yeah. Um, some fun little nods, like with, uh, Rocket getting Bucky's arm. Like it was great. But like I said on Twitter a couple days ago, what I love about James Gunn, uh, and the Guardians franchise is that we all think that we love the Guardians mo movies and the Guardians special because they're so funny and they are like, there's so much great fun humor here. But the reason that we really love the Guardians movies in this special is because James Gunn puts so much heart into it. Um, like yeah. he could have done a romp that was just Mantis and Drax running around Hollywood with all the really funny references and the funny lines. And, and like he delivers on that level a thousand percent. But um, the little mini story, the animated story of Peter and Yondu and Kraglin and Yondu giving Peter his blasters and Peter giving Yondu that little thing that he's buried with at the end of Guardians Volume 2. Yeah. Um, and then this whole Mantis and Peter moment where Peter is like, this is the greatest gift I could have ever gotten. And even I got emotional when Craglin was telling Kevin Bacon, when he was explaining to Kevin Bacon why he was there, when he was like, look, he was like, Peter really looked up to you and like Footloose, like, you know, you saving the universe through dancing, like meant a lot to him. And by the way, Peter actually saved the galaxy by dancing and it was just such and like kevin bacon kind of like doing this 180 and being like oh i guess i'm gonna like be here for peter's christmas like the emotional aspects of this hit so well which is really what you want out of a holiday special you want those holiday feels and the, the fact that they managed to make me laugh really really hard like a guardians movie should 
yeah. and have those feels. Like I was like, man, you fucking nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Shannon, your overall thoughts on this on this special here. I think I gotta be the Grinch here. Oh um, no! <laughs> really? So, so while I did really like those individual moments, and I thought we got some really nice performances, I thought Sean Gunn got uh, kind of a rare opportunity to really show off that he he he's a he's a talented actor. He's not just he's not just James Gunn's brother. Like he, that scene with he and Kevin Bacon um, in the ship at the end, the the scene where he's telling uh, Mantis and Drax what happened, how Yondu ruined Peter's Christmas. Um, I thought, you know, he really, he, he had some nice moments in there and yeah. I thought writing wise, those big emotional moments, I do really think they got there. I mean, with, uh, Peter and Mantis at the end where she, it, it's revealed that, you know, she is yeah. a sister. I was like that this works really, really well. Um, I do think they, I think they dropped the ball on the comedy when Mantis and Drax got to earth. Uh, I was not necessarily, I, I think there was a lot of missed opportunity. I love the GoBots bit. I thought that was really, really funny. That was hilarious. The whole section at the bar, instead yeah. of them just drinking, I'm like, there is so, there are so many missed opportunities here where you could have plus that comedy. Um, instead of them, like suddenly they're doing shots and the next, the next uh, moment is they're out drunk. Um, like, I feel like, the, I feel like there was more that could have been done here. And so that was kind of where I was like, ah, that's that's too bad. Um, I like the pursuit of Kevin Bacon. Um, I wasn't sure about the cops rolling up and unloading on that the was Guardians. a little weird, right? I didn't I didn't like that. I was yeah, like, that's I, a strong I, statement he made by having them attack the cops and almost kill the cops. I, well, yeah. even even the cops just like opening fire. I was yeah, like, yeah, ah, yeah. that that I, in in this climate, I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't disagree with you. I, I don't, don't I don't, I didn't really, I wasn't a fan of that. I think, I think you get more humor out of rent a cops uh, showing right. up who, right, who actually don't have any, <laughs> who wouldn't have a firearm. Like, so, and, and yeah, that, that, that kind of stuck out to me a little bit. I didn't think the moment when uh, uh, Mantis and Drax realized that Kevin Bacon is an actor. I, I liked the concept of the joke, but I don't like the execution execution of the joke. I'm like, ah, oh, this this should be funnier. Like something, the comedy is just missing here for me. When they actually get to nowhere and Mantis kind of uh, un unleashes uh, or uh, releases uh, uh, Bacon from the spell, I liked all that. Mm -hmm. um, I loved the song at the beginning with the old 97s. I yeah. thought Kevin Bacon singing with them. I'm like, oh, this is so great. I just feel like comedically they did not uh, they did not check all the boxes for me. Okay. I feel like Kevin signed on because they they let him sing a song. Like he was like, all right, I'll do it. But, you know, because he's been part of the Bacon Brothers for like God knows how long, him and his brother being a musical act. They're like, okay, we'll do it. But I need a song. All right, fine. You get a song at the end. So, but it worked because it's a damn good song. I think both of those songs are actually really good in the in the uh, in the special as well. I enjoyed the special. I do take Shannon's criticisms uh, at least a little bit. I do agree to a, a certain extent. Some of the humor didn't work with Drax and Mantis, but also because they're unusual characters to pair up. Because uh, Drax, there's no subtlety with Drax, and like you said, sarcasm, all that stuff doesn't really work for him. And Mantis is more like emotion at once, emotion like this, emotion here. But the moments where she was yelling at him and trying to get at him and trying to get him to focus, that was funny. Him throwing her over the, the thing. Uh, Hilarious. My surprise, I thought, was really funny. Him wanting the green man, the candy cane stuff, all of that was funny. I didn't like the maps moment. I thought that was weird with the woman here. I'm just going to take your money as well. I'm just going to steal and rob from you 
this poor woman is just trying to survive in Hollywood with the rent prices the way they are. So oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> just little things like that. They kind of were like, oh, okay, I get what we're doing, but I don't know if I 100% like it. But the spirit of it 100% worked for me. I even would say, uh, go a little farther than you, Shannon. I don't know if Kevin Bacon was 100% good in this, although I liked him in it. I don't know if he was 100% good in this. That being said, the spirit of it all really, really worked for me. See, I mean, these it was essentially a someone described it in a review as a bottle episode of the Guardians of the Galaxy series, and it absolutely felt like that yeah. like a, a episode of a TV show of the Guardians of the Galaxy that we've never gotten. Uh, and it was fun to watch that and the story and the ending. Jesus Christ, that ending got me like a hardcore. I was like, I was crying at the ending because it's just so sweet to get those things from the people you care about, especially because his father is gone. Yandu is gone. So it takes even more weight in, in what we've got going on here. So um, let's move on to some of these uh, uh, surprises as Michael and Shannon have pointed out. So now they own nowhere. What does this mean for the MCU? What do you guys think about that? I'm more surprised at you being so upset about the map to the stars lady than I, I mean, am about them owning woman. nowhere. Did she look like, I mean, She's probably struggling to pay bills, I would imagine. And Mantis took she all She is selling those maps to the stars to everybody on that boulevard. She probably makes more money than any of us do selling those maps to tourists. She's fine. Right. She's fine. Also, really quickly, I just wanted yeah. to mention before we get to nowhere, also props to them for uh, basically Mantis and Drax going to a gay bar. Yeah, like, I was going to ask I, you about that, Michael. Yes. I actually really loved that just in a really casual way, as opposed to having Drax getting hit on by some, like, uh, right. you know, hot chick in Hollywood, he was hit on by a guy. Yeah. And that guy was really all about Drax, as most guys in a gay bar probably would be. Um, <laughs> and it was a blast. Like, I, I don't... I don't disagree with Shannon that maybe there was other gags they could have done, but in a pretty packed 44-minute special, like watching Drax and Mantis go to town in a bar and just dance and get completely wasted, like, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, And the gay aspect I thought was really nice, too. As far as them, I think they did a good job to the nowhere aspect of clearly sort of laying a little bit of groundwork for where they're going to go in Guardians 3. Yeah, I was going to say, launching So by having this special... And kind of saying, hey, like the Guardians are at nowhere and Cosmo is part of the team and everything else. Like you're sort of like saying, okay, well, when we get to volume three, you know, it's like as is typical with the MCU, maybe the holiday special is kind of required viewing. Um, Similarly, like as far as what you guys were saying about Drax and Mantis, you know, we saw more of a we saw a different Mantis in this special than we did in Guardians 2 she's pretty meek and she's pretty quiet and she's still sort of getting to know because she's been working for ego the whole time and this mantis we got to see a mantis that's a little bit more comfortable in her own skin she's been with the guardians a while and it was a little bit more uh comfortable expressing herself and i thought she did a great like every time she yelled at drax i thought it was hilarious like just that dynamic between the two of them i thought was really fun but i think was also there to kind of show us and set us up for who mantis is going to be in volume 3 and what that mantis and drax relationship is going to be yeah and it's funny to think about that uh, cuz yeah palm clementif did a fa- palm clementif did a fantastic job and uh, already there's she tweeted out about cuz james someone asked james if she might be involved in the dc plans and james said palm's always involved so We'll see if she ends up being a character in the DC side of things because he really obviously clearly enjoys working with her. She really stood out. You talk about Sean Gunn, Shannon. Paul Clementine, I think, did a fantastic job with what she was given to do in the journey she was going on. I mean, Batista did his thing like Batista always does, but there's no arc for him 
with Palm, there's an arc that leads to that moment between her and Peter, that very sweet moment. And with the comments recently from Zoe Zaldana saying, I'm kind of done doing franchises. I've been stuck doing this franchise. I want to branch out. Maybe she is the one that's going to slide in, not as a love interest, but slide in as the member, a new member of the Guardians of the Galaxy crew permanently going forward and having more of a store, more storylines revolve around her or her connection to them a bit more. And that may have been what was being late. Groundwork was being late here as well in the special. What'd you think about the nowhere situation? And we'll get to the Bucky's arm after this. Well, no, I thought, no, I thought that was a good, I thought that was a good choice. And as they are kind of setting up shop, um, I thought it was smart because it sort of just, it realistically justifies why nowhere's population looks a little sparse. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, with, with one of these specials, you're not going to have the budget that you're going to have on a feature. So it would make sense that you don't have as many folks in the background. It would make sense that, you know, we only get a little bit of rocket and a little bit of Cosmo. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually thought that was Which was a great a, back and forth between him and Ro- Rocket, right? This idea, like I mean, it's really so setting funny. the stage for Guardians Three. Yeah. Um, that that hopefully that that their dynamic is going to be explored explored a little further. But in terms of like kind of setting the stage for Guardians Three, I think them having some sort of base of operations, like you know, we're going to come out of yeah. the holiday special, and you know. Mantis and uh, Peter are going to have a going to have a different dynamic, but it's going to make yeah. sense right off the bat. Like, okay, this is where we're going. This is this is where they live now. Yeah, JB says Shannon, seemingly the sweetest dude, is in fact the cold hearted bastard of the bunch. Jesus, she <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> um, I got called out on one. Where is it? Someone said that I wanted I wanted more. De- hey, uh, John just wanted more development of the map of the stars. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know what? She should get her. She should get her own. She should get her own episode. She should get her own episode. Really, just develop her character out. Really want to see her call her kid, call her kid back home, sending her money so we understand what's going on with her in this in this sort of economic climate that we're in right now. Uh, my big concerns. We didn't. We know. We didn't. We just touched on her. We didn't swing back to her and find out what happened after she lost all her money. Like, no, no, true. All right, let's move on to the Bucky arm situation because clearly this was. I had no idea this was a controversy until I was doing research for our show today. And last night I was reading all these articles of people were, that were so upset on Twitter. Like, how did this happen? This is forced inclusion. Why would she? Bucky would destroy Nebula. I was like, what the fuck are you idiots talking about? But these people were so mad that Nebula got uh, Bucky's arm and people want to know how this happened. I don't care that you want to know how it happened, but this idea that like Nebula would be destroyed by Bucky, which is beyond hilarious to me. I, I was in my mind. I'm like, we don't know how this happened. So why go to this direction? What do you think? Cause James said, basically it's Canon. He, she got the arm from him. Deal with it. So what do you guys think about this? Did you enjoy that surprise? And do you think this is going to have ramifications in the MCU? I thought it was really funny. I, I thought I thought it was a fu- I thought it was a funny little bit. I mean, because you know, in Infinity War, Rocket asked for his arm. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get that arm. Like yeah. I thought that was I thought that was super funny. I mean, if you were going to have a a post credit sequence in your special, I do think Bucky leaning out of the shower looking for his arm. I, I, I think that was maybe a missed opportunity. <laughs> But my, but it's, but, but, uh, you know, ideally, (laughs) Bucky's just going to get a new arm probably from the Wakandans before uh, Thunderbolts. I want to see Ayo going, you lost it again. (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, guys. This is this is part of what makes Marvel Comics so fun. It's kind of the same as the She-Hulk discussion. It's like, tonally, Marvel can give you, like, the heavy-hitting, the Civil War storylines, like, the heavy shit, the Infinity arc. Like, they can give you all that stuff in the comics, and then they can do a silly holiday special where they just yeah. do random fun shit because it's a comic book. And so I think, like, him getting the arm, like... I, I actually agree. I think probably the reason they could do it is because the next time we're going to see Bucky is probably Thunderbolts and he's probably going to have some cool new arm so that they can sell new action figures of Bucky. So this arm was sort of open territory and James Gunn was like, hey, can Nebula go steal that? And they were like, yeah, Kevin Feige was like, the Kevin Feige robot said that computes, go for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, it was a great gag. Like the the fact that people are getting upset about like, well, what's the logic and how did Nebula get it? And if she and Bucky fall, I was like, I, come on guys. Calm down. Rocket got the arm. It is um, a great gag. It is a great gag. One last thing. The GoBots thing. Michael, uh, this is a Hasbro property? Yes, still, maybe? What's the deal here? Actually, I mean, they, they predate the Transformers for those of you Yeah, GoBots, GoBots predate. I'm actually fascinated as to how they got that to fly. Because, yeah, GoBots yeah. predates Transformers and wasn't part of Hasbro. And then... Hasbro came out with Transformers, and I do believe that GoBots might have been Kenner, and like Kenner got absorbed yeah. by Hasbro. So I do think it's all part of uh, one thing now, and I am fascinated as to how they got that to go. Like I don't even know how that how that got through, but as soon as I saw, I was way more when I was a kid. I GoBots was my first thing, and then I graduated yeah. to Transformers. Like I thought, GoBots were the coolest thing, and then Hasbro Transformers toys came out, and that and that cartoon like just like banged, and I was like, oh, and then like, well, I could talk about the Transformers animated movie all day. That's a whole other geek buddies, yeah. but um, yeah, I was like, for me, there's like it was more of like the executive side of me being like, how the hell did they get to do that? Um, yeah. If 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 James Gunn can take this into getting a couple GoBots moments in guardians volume three i will cheer in the movie theater i will think that is the funniest goddamn thing in the world shannon your thoughts on GoBots? i mean that was a joke for james gunn yeah right <laughs> the majority of the shit. guardians audience is not gonna know is not gonna know what GoBots were like GoBots were in the early 80s they had a cartoon as well it yes, did not did. it did not last as GoBots long GoBots killed his cousin <laughs> I mean that that really really oh. made me laugh and 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 I think that's another great thing about the specials um is the ability oh. to do that type of joke. I'm glad <laughs> that one. I'm glad that one made you laugh. <laughs> it did. I, 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 also <laughs> think, did. I also think we're slowly but surely moving towards a Marvel versus DC thing down the road. I mean, they're mentioning Bruce Wayne mentioned Bruce Wayne in the special and Batman in the special, so it's like is it canon well, they, now? In they do it in Eternals, too. It's, like, yeah. it's canon that those characters exist in a comic in book. In a comic book. In, That's what I'm saying. The, comic in the Marvel. Like, they're not... There's no Gotham City right. or right, 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 right. or Metropolis in the MCU. The MCU is our world, and just like our world, there are comic books and right. comic book characters. And so Kevin Bacon knows who Batman is because there are Batman movies that exist. Right, right. So it just... Really interesting to see the way they, they're kind of weaving that into it. Because this is the first time they've made references in a James Gunn situation, I think. Uh, Lord of Darkness says, Hi, Roke. I tried to super chat, not going through it. So I'll ask here, what are your thoughts on the Amazon and DC animation deal? Uh, Michael, any thoughts on this? What is the... I don't actually know what the latest is on that. Let me look uh, Allegedly, they are working on some sort of exclusive deal where DC animation, Amazon Prime will be the home of DC animation. 
I mean, oh. my, my, my overall opinion on that, I mean, if that is the case and like we get to see a bunch of really great DC animation because I do think DC animation is, is awesome, that's great. I also think it's a dumb move by Warner Brothers and Zasloff. Here we go. Well, Warner Brothers Television Studios Chair Channing Dungy opened up about some of the new moves and, yes, said that they are partnering with Amazon and thinking very seriously about a Harry Potter spinoff series. So they are partnering with Amazon for an animation situation. It's not a rumor. It, they're actually going to do it. This. Is, it is. Oof. It is so stupid. Okay. Tell me that more. you have HBO Max. And HBO Max should be the home for all Warner Brothers. Con- like, like they, we should be going to HBO Max oh, to see a Harry Potter series, all the DC animated yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, there's so much value in that IP that should be driving us to that streaming platform in the same way that Disney has us going to them for every Star Wars and Marvel and every single piece of content. And the fact that they are just taking that and throwing it to the side and letting Amazon come on and pick this up so that we will all, like Amazon Prime had Rings of Power and Invincible and The Boys, and now they're going to have all of the DC animated stuff and HBO Max is gonna, like, it's just, it's so stupid. What do you think there, here, uh, um, uh, Shannon? Uh, I mean, like Vogel, like <laughs> why you're kind of giving away, you know, you're, you're giving away the bank right now, which yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But in terms of in terms of us, the audience, I'm like, it's great that hopefully we, there will be some sort of centralized location to where it's like, all right, great. It's it's you know, it's it's January 1st. That means there's a new DC DC animated project out. I mean, I think that's great for us that it will all be in one yeah. be in one spot. But in terms yeah. of uh, uh you know the company, like it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the smartest move. Yeah, and this makes me worry even more for the HBO Max uh streaming service. Like I don't know. I mean, from the moves that he's made since he's gotten in there, much more reality content is on there, like house shows and shit that i give two fucks about are on hbo max and it's kind of confusing because you know i'm like well what what is this what am i what am i where am i supposed to go with netflix it made more sense because that's what they were from the beginning they posted all that shit on their reality shows and with with this it's a completely different thing so it's kind of confusing when you're sorting through movies and and superhero stuff or dramas and all of a sudden it's like hey make your house better come on click in it and so it's just kind of confusing so and i agree with you michael it seems odd that they would not put their all in one again all that one in one situation and i wonder what guns thoughts thoughts on this are as we're talking about him yeah. wanting to make everything canon is he going to have to move it's, different streaming services? I mean, it's the definition of Pennywise pound foolish. Like in trying to yeah. save all the money that they need to save because of the deficit they're in, Zaslav is, I, I doesn't want to pay to produce right. all this content. So let go to Am- let Amazon pay for it. Let Netflix pay for That's it. True. Let it's somebody else pay for yeah, it. So it's co- it's yeah. literally it's it's just it's cost cutting. It's like look like the budget for. The Batman, the new Batman animated series and that Superman and Lois animated series and whatever DC has in the pipe for their animated stuff combined with, hey, we want to do this series and James Gunn is going to come in in a week or so and say, hey, here's a 10-year plan. We want to do this as a TV series, this as a TV series, this as a TV series. 
And I think the answer is going to be like, that's great, but like you can't spend all that money. So yeah. all of a sudden we're going to get this announcement that even though the Penguin series live action is going to be on HBO Max and Peacemaker season two will be on HBO Max, the Booster Gold live action series is going to be on Netflix. I mean, yeah. it's just going to be this constant like, meanwhile, Disney Plus is just going to keep going and be like, hey, Star Wars and Marvel and Disney and Pixar and just come on. It's all right here. It's it's just it's just not long term. It's not a good plan. And once they make their money, they're going to do what all studios do. Once they get back into a more successful situation financially, they're going to start axing those shows because those are not in-house produced shows in the studio where they can make the majority of the money off of them. And we're going to see that go down the pike as well. So some great beloved shows will disappear possibly because of that situation. Uh, uh, Gmoney99 says, Zoe Zaldana, I'm done with franchises. Also Zoe Zaldana, come see me in Avatar 2. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to be yeah. fair, she, she shot Avatar 2 15 years ago. So, you know. <laughs> fair. In a pool. <laughs> uh, all right. One, one last stream live here. Jones says, hey, Geek Buddies, love the show. I'm just curious, when do y'all think, uh, what, what do y'all think of some of the indie films for the Oscar race? One film that is giving me Moonlight vibes is Inspection. Did you think? Do you think it has a chance to get any nominations? If not, what indie dark horse could? Gentlemen, have you seen any of the indie films that have come out? I have not, not seen Inspection. Okay. Um, I did see She Said, uh, oh. which so I know I know you love I She love Said, it. Johnny. I I have I have thoughts. Like okay. I thought, I, you thought I, the comedy wasn't really working. <laughs> I kept waiting some for, of those comic beats. I kept waiting for the punchline to show. <laughs> well, um, uh, but I'm trying to think what other indie movies. I mean, do you all think that everything, everywhere, all at once has a chance to? I, you know, I said when everything, everywhere, all at once came out that I thought it was the best movie of the year, and I thought people were going to forget about it. And now we're coming to the end of the year, and I still think everything, everywhere, all at once is the best film of the year, and I feel like people still remember. So I think it has a good shot. Um, but I'm excited to see the whale. I'm excited. Like I think that we're getting into like that great time of year uh, as as like things wrap up and I get less busy, where I'm gonna start watching like every indie thing in the world. So I think when we get to January, February, I think we will probably do an entire Geek Buddies episode on what our predictions are, uh, and and kind of have a more informed opinion. But yeah, the the winter months are when I sort of hole up on the couch or run to the movie theater up the street and just start binging every movie I can. Yeah, I got the whale tonight. So after emancipation last night, I'm I'm kind of dreading going through another emotional, exhausting film like the whale tonight. But I want to see if it's any good. But I agree with you. Everything, everywhere, all at once is still has the buzz. Um, Banshees of Inisherin is another one that I think is an independent film that really people should. That one consider. was really that one was really good. Yeah, I loved that movie, and uh, I want to see what comes out of that for sure. So. There are a lot of them that are coming down. I've just started receiving some of the screeners myself to see some of these that I haven't seen. But, you know, it just feels like the Fablemans is going to be the juggernaut because everybody loves Spielberg. So we're going to see if that's the <laughs> film that Hollywood just defaults to as the best picture. What? Hollywood defaulting to a Spielberg movie about movie making because Hollywood loves to talk about itself? That would be crazy. Be crazy, exactly. Now, did you see Fableman's Shot? I haven't. I've got the screener, but I've been hesitating because I'm like, I don't want to hate it. I don't want to hate it. I don't want to think it's self-indulgent, but I, I'm curious because I saw Bardo, and Bardo is fucking great. It is fucking great. Also a film about a director, you know, exploring his process or whatever, you know, he do in through the scope of a character but it's done way more fantastically with insane tangents 
It's a Latino Terrence Malick movie is what it is. And so for me, it worked. The stream of consciousness of it all works. This is much more straightforward. But what I'm hearing from some of my friends who have seen it is that, whose opinions I trust, is that it doesn't go deep enough into the family relationships and kind of lets them off easy. So I'm curious to see what we're going to get from Fableman. So yeah. now one one other question, as yeah. you've seen, because I haven't obviously I haven't seen Emancipation yet. For best yeah. actor, would you go Colin Farrell? Or would you go Will Smith? I think it's too soon for me to make that judgment because I haven't seen The Whale because I might go Brendan Fraser and that's that, to be honest with you. Right. So I, I, a lot of people have said it's Colin Farrell or Brendan Fraser. But Colin Farrell, I wouldn't be surprised because I've never seen him do what he does in Banshees of Inisherin in anything ever. I've never seen him do that. And it's phenomenal to watch. Mikey, what were you going to say? I was going to make some joke about the Fablemans and the Hollywood Maps lady from the Guardians holiday special, but I, <laughs> but I didn't really, but I couldn't really figure it out. I couldn't quite make it work. So I was like, I was like, I was workshopping it in my head as you were talking. And then I decided I wasn't going to make the joke, but since you asked, that's what it was going to be. <laughs> that's good. I like that. She's Anne Fableman of the other Fablemans. And Anne Fableman, like what a crossover. Like you go to see the Fablemans and you get a phone call. It's like, hey, it's Anne from Hollywood. She was just selling her maps, but somehow like she lost all her money. She doesn't oh. know what happened. And you're like, whoa, the Fablemans is in the MCU. It's canon. Like that would really be, that would really be the, the ticket for me. Uh. <laughs> In the in the in the comments, uh, Jamal Bayless says, "Give Vogel a tag to punch the joke up." This is what <laughs> this is what happens in the room. Yeah, <laughs> you introduce a concept that's funny, and then the room oh, comes up with a joke. Good stuff. Good stuff. I just toss I, it to Shannon, and he does an alliteration and kind of does a little spit shine on my joke, and then I pass it off as my own. It's a great system we've got. <laughs> you gotta love it. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. That's our live Geek Buddies. Thank you. We have 300 of you watching right now. Really, we had 350 just a few minutes ago. So we appreciate you all madly hanging out with us and uh, uh, joining us for this uh, uh, impromptu, li- well, not impromptu, but this live show that we did here because we're trying out different times. Uh, we love going live with you all. We love interacting with you all. And so many of you join us, which we really appreciate. It honors and humbles us because we love just we just love shooting the shit with each other. So to be able to do it in a, in a forum like this where everybody chimes in with their thoughts and entertains us as much as we hopefully entertain you all means a lot to us. Uh, and especially going into the Christmas season and especially after Thanksgiving, giving thanks certainly uh, for you all who hang out with us for sure. Um, and thank you for all the stream labs and the super chats. We appreciate it madly. And yes, we will be doing as w- when we finish this a recording of uh, trailer reaction for the new Transformers film. So look for that trailer reaction coming in the next couple of hours. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies, at Hive, I don't know, maybe one day. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Um, if you like talking geeky movie things, geeky TV things, and if unlike Shannon, you like sweet humor like the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, uh, here are some things that you can do so that we keep doing what we're doing. Uh, definitely, like John said, like everyone in the chat is saying, hit that like button below before you yes. head out of here. Um, leave your comments. The comments in the chat have been great. Leave your comments on the YouTube page so that everybody can see what you think. Let everybody know what you thought of what we talked about today. Uh, if you are listening to us on a podcast, take a minute to leave some 
stars, leave some comments, helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, whether that be Twitter, Hive, or wherever you may be now. Uh, and uh, as always, tell your friends to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. All right, there you go. Thank you all so much again, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or live episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.